morning, everybody. It is so good to see you. Sheldon Loxina here. I am at our Young Adults Retreat here on Oahu on the North Shore, and it is incredible to be among these young folks watching them grow in their journey with Jesus. One of our core values here at New Hope is to continue to build and equip the next generation of leaders, which is essential to building his kingdom. So thank you for investing in people, especially for those of you who have been serving and giving for years. We are truly a multi-generational congregation. And we wanna especially say thank you to our kupuna, our seniors and elders. Your hearts in serving Jesus is the reason why we're still here. And our senior prom that we held last week was incredible. In fact, here are some highlights for you to enjoy. amazing time it was this is why we get to give to God this is why we give we get to be a part of building his kingdom and his family here on this earth for all of eternity you are a part of someone's eternal decision to follow Jesus Christ so as we pray over the offerings and the tithes keep that thought and keep that in your heart that when God receives our gifts he's gonna use it for his kingdom if this is your first time attending or viewing Receive all that God has for you today. Do not feel pressured to give, for God loves a cheerful giver. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity for us to give to you, that we're giving in such a way that it's greater than us, it's bigger than us, it's about your kingdom. So may your blessing be upon those who are giving and for their families that you would provide and that those who are going through a tough time financially will find favor from you. So thank you for always providing and building up your kingdom, using us to build others up. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Well, these are the four ways that you can give, and it's very easy. Just follow the directions. And for those of you who are here in the sanctuary and fellowship hall, we have in the back, mounted on the wall, our tithe boxes for you to give. And for you in the fellowship hall, those of you in the fellowship hall, it's right next to the mirrors. And so thank you once again for giving and uh, allowing God to use all of us. He is a God of grace. And as we learn today about the God of grace, as we learn in our relationship with Him, we get to serve on that side of it as receiving His grace. Today, my good friend is gonna be speaking to us about God's grace. We've been serving together for over 25 years. 
He's been serving here at this church for over 25 years. He loves Jesus, he loves people, and he has such a heart of gold. And we thank God for this young man. So would you welcome with me my friend, Pastor Jonathan Miyasato, as he shares the Word of God with us this morning. Let's welcome him. Good morning, everybody. What a generous introduction, young man. But, you know, I got to be honest. Ever since last month, I turned 30 years old. Oh, the aches and pains, man. So, <laughs> so I'm going to start with a story. This is a story about a man named Jed. He was a poor mountaineer. He barely kept his family fed. And then one day, while shooting at some food, well, up from the ground come a bubbling crude, okay? Oil, that is, black gold, Texas tea. Old Jed Clampett, this is from a television show in the 50s and 60s, so for those of you who know about it then, <laughs> you guys young, huh? you guys young like me. But um, it's about Jed Clampett. He was a dirt poor hillbilly who had nothing. He lived in a shack and all he had was this seemingly worthless piece of land. But underneath that land was wealth and good fortune. Grace is kind of like what that is, okay? Because grace is something that you cannot earn, something that you, can't, you don't deserve, and it's something that you would never be able to pay back. It's a gift. It's a gift. Now, when I was... a uh, well, let me, let me explain grace a little bit more, okay? When you get a paycheck from work, that's not grace because you earn every dollar of that paycheck. When you get a Christmas bonus, that's not grace because you deserve that for your hard work. And when you get a, a home mortgage and you bought your first home, that's not grace either because you got to pay that back over 30 years, okay? Again, grace is something that you cannot earn, that you don't deserve, and you would never be able to pay it back. You know, when I was young, uh, I grew up, and I did not know what grace meant. You know, it, I thought grace was something that we said at the dinner table before every meal. And growing up in my household from kid time all the way through high school, me and my family would say grace every meal. And it was just this repetitious thing we'd say, God is grace, God is good, let us thank you for this food, amen. God is grace, God is good, let us thank you for this food, amen. Over and over. It got so much of a habit to me that I would not be able to eat a single bite unless I said the grace. So when I was going to Waikiwana Elementary School, I had to say the grace, but I was only kids, so, you know, shame, I was embarrassed. So, you know, I'd go with the, the milk and I'd cover and I'd say, God is grace, God is good, let us thank you for this food. Or I'd drop a, a napkin on the ground and i go, God is grace, God is good, let us thank you for this food. But I had to say it, but I did, had no idea what grace meant, you know. Um, sometimes to break the monotony of saying grace every morning, I would sit across my my sister, and, and you know, she, was the, she wasn't the most pleasant person to sit across in the morning. So I would say, God is, uh, God is good, God is grace. Lord, fix my sister's grouchy face. Amen. <laughs> yes, but um, grace is something that we're going to talk about today. And today, uh, 
my hope and my prayer for this past couple weeks is that the Holy Spirit would, would speak to us about what grace is and how it is from God and that God is indeed grace. Father God, in Jesus' name, just thank you for this morning, Lord. Pray in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to every single heart here, online, in person. Would you soften the soil of our hearts so you might deposit your word? Lord, we thank you. We praise you. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the first point of today's message is God is, God's grace is sufficient sufficient. You guys ever went to the bank machine, try to take out $40, and the receipt spit out, insufficient funds. <laughs> yeah? Well, I tell you what, in our lives, when we are in a crisis mode, or a deficit in our spiritual walk, in our physical health, in our relationships, and our finances, then we are in a deficit mode. You know, I've been spiritually bankrupt and emotionally in crisis before. And that's like, I don't have, I wake up in the morning and I don't have enough. It's not sufficient for me to get through this day. But God's grace is sufficient. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Okay. It says this, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Now, this is an amazing scripture that I encourage you guys to speak out every single day. Every single day. Because Paul, who wrote this, he had a problem. Paul had this thorn in his side. And he pleaded with God three times, Lord, please take this thorn away from me. Take it out of me. I don't want it. It was something that he struggled with every single day, okay? All of us, we all have that thorn that maybe only you, you know about. That one thing, it could be a depression, it could be loneliness, it could be an addiction. This is a thorn that you've asked God, oh God, take this away from me, I don't want it anymore, but it's still there. But God responds to Paul and he says, don't worry, beef curry, because my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in your weakness. You know, the world frowns upon weakness. Yeah? Nobody, like, nobody like tell you weak or there's imperfections. You know, we're embarrassed by that. The world looks down upon you. But in God's economy, in the kingdom of heaven, Weakness is an opportunity for God to demonstrate his almighty power in your life. There's no shame in weakness when it comes to the Lord. <clears throat> Look at David. David was, you know, he was way weaker than Goliath. He was, he was shorter. He was only a teenager. But God's grace and his power was demonstrated in David's weakness. Look at, uh, look at Joseph. Joseph was abandoned by his brothers, thrown in a pit, spent years in jail. I'm sure he was discouraged. I'm sure he was sad. But yet, God's grace and his power 
was demonstrated in Joseph and Israel was saved because of what God did through Joseph. Look at Lazarus. <clears throat> Lazarus. Lazarus was the guy who was Jesus' friend. He died and a few days later, Jesus resurrected him. Now, I'm no doctor, but you cannot get any weaker than dead, man. And it's like, the guy was dead, but God demonstrated his power in weakness. So if you can acknowledge and be honest with yourself that, yeah, Lord, uh, this, there's this thorn in my side that you haven't removed, and I struggle with it every day, remember 2 Corinthians 12.9 that his grace is sufficient for you and his power is made perfect in your weakness. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. Now, let's talk about Paul a little bit more. Can you imagine this? Paul, every morning, he's either in jail, he's beaten, he's shipwrecked, okay? He's got this thorn in his side that the, the Lord hasn't removed from him, this pain, this weakness, this, this area of need. And he prays this prayer, I believe, every morning, my grace is sufficient for you. Because in Lamentations 3.22, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies have no end. They are new every morning. So when you guys wake up every morning feeling like you don't have your, you know, the strength or the fortitude to make it through the day, because of this area that you might be struggling in, remember, God deposits a brand new set of account in your grace account that is sufficient for the day. Every single, you, you, may, you may spend all this grace during a 24-hour period, but as soon as you wake up, his grace is sufficient, and he deposits just enough grace for you to get through, Okay? That's an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing. I believe Paul prayed that prayer every day, you know, because I do. I need to. Every morning. Before I came up here this morning, I said, Lord, your grace is sufficient. Your power is made perfect in my weakness because, to be honest, I, I really cannot do this, you know. I was, I'm terrified to be up here looking at, oh, you guys all look really friendly and all, but I'm still terrified to be up here to speak to so many people. But yet his grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in weakness, okay? The second point is this. God's grace is greater than your problem. God's grace is greater than your problem. James 4, 6 says this. But he gives, this is key, greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we're going to dissect that scripture into two parts. But the first part, God gives greater grace. So the way I interpret it is this. Your problem, no matter how colossal and how big your struggle may be, addictions, God's grace is greater. God gives greater grace, okay? Your marriage, big problem. God's grace is greater. God gives greater grace. And it's so important to remember that because sometimes we go through things and we think, nah, the Lord, he's not going to be able to get me through this. 
But the Bible says that his ways are not like yours, and his thoughts are so much higher than your own. So when you think that you can't get through and God doesn't have the power to rescue out of your situation, just remember, okay, you're not thinking, you're not able to comprehend and think on his level. He's got something planned for you. He's doing something behind the scenes. And no matter what struggle you're going through, remember, his grace is greater than your problem. Okay? Second part of this scripture says this. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Okay, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, you know, God is love. He is pure, unadulterated, perfect love. But if you read the scripture, he says he's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It's almost like he's, he's giving a condition to receiving his grace. And let me explain why. Because God in his perfect love is also perfectly righteous, and a righteous God cannot interact or engage with pride, with sin. Because that's what sin is. It's pride. At the root of every single sin that we commit, it's, I want to do it my way. I want to enjoy this for me. Okay? It's pride, and God will not distribute and flow his grace to a sinful heart. You know, um, Last week Sunday, uh, somebody gave me a mullet, you know, so well, nice, nice, big mullet. So I steam them for dinner. And, you know, I was, I was cleaning the mullet last week Sunday afternoon, cleaning the guts and everything under the sink. And all of a sudden, I don't know if you, this ever happened to you, but it's like the Lord spoke to me just volumes of conviction, of truth, of knowledge, in just a few seconds, like a nanosecond, he downloaded something in my heart. And what I was struggling with was, you know, there, there was this one gentleman, there is this one gentleman in my life that I was having a hard time love. You know, I, you know, I was just struggling. I held an offense against this person, and that turned into unforgiveness. Now, that's sin. That's pride. That's, that is sin. And the Lord spoke to me while I was cleaning the guts out of his mullet. And he said, you know, he told me, you know, Jonathan, you, you know, you're loving people off the street, people at church, people at your home. But you're not loving this guy, you know. And I cannot flow through you. I cannot dispense my power and grace in you unless... You repent, and you start loving this person. So the next mon Monday, I went to work. I was driving, and all of a sudden, I just, out of the blue, I, I just started to weep while I was driving. I was crying. I was like, Lord, what is good? And what I was doing was God was softening my heart towards this one individual. He was softening it so that he could then again flow through me. You see, our hearts are like conduits, okay? A conduit is simply a channel from which one source can flow to another. When you have like a flashlight, yeah? 
And you know, here in Hawaii, it's real humid. You go beach and the rain, whatever. It, if, you, if you turn it on a couple months later, it doesn't work, so you open it up. And when you take out the batteries, you see that the metal leads or the conduits are sometimes corroded, yeah? Sometimes they're corroded. And that corrosion, that corrosive agent on the conduit prevents the power from flowing from the batteries to the light bulb. Sin is the same thing. It's, an, it's a corrosive agent that blocks up the heart. And it's impossible for God to flow through it. That's why it says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So, my encouragement to you guys is to check your heart to make sure that your conduit is clean. And if you need to, humble yourselves before Almighty God so that he can then again flow through you. Okay? Um, speaking about conduits, um, you know, I, I saw this uh, Filipino pastor was, was speaking about conduits and you know, he said, you know, if you guys uh, are conduits for Jesus, then you can do it. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Maybe it's too early in the morning to catch that. Maybe uh, second, third service, guys. <laughs> or maybe I just won't do it second, third service. <laughs> okay. Our uh, final point is, is this. And remember, this final point with grace, with God's grace. It's always in weakness and it's in humility that you will receive that unbelievable grace, okay? The final point is this. It is by grace you have been saved. It is by grace alone, okay? Ephesians 2.8 says this. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this, for it is a gift from God. It is by grace alone, not works, not how much you can do, okay? Through faith alone, no doubt. In Christ alone, not religion, that you are saved. The free gift the Father gives us of his Son is really the ultimate act of grace, okay? And you think about it, boy. When I think about God's grace and how he saved a Pilau guy like me, I mean, after all the shenanigans I've pulled in my life, God's grace saved me. His blood paid the debt for my sin so I can go to heaven. So here on earth, I can have a relationship with God. That blows my mind. That's amazing to think. And that is, to me, the greatest miracle in the universe is God's saving grace for the, his children that he loves so much. Okay? You know, here's a kind of, kind of a caution, though. Once you are saved by grace, once you accept Jesus, believe in him, start your walk with him, you're still going to make mistakes. You're still going to sin because we live in this, this flesh bodies. We're still going to blow it. Okay? We're still going to blow it. And it took me a long time to learn this. But grace, God's grace, is not just a pardon or a free pass for me to sin. 
Grace is the power of God to help me not to sin. That's the power of grace. Those people, those of us who've been struggling for so many years with so many things, tried to do it on our own, tried to fix it, tried everything, but it never worked. Give God's grace a chance because he has the power to change your life where you don't. You don't. Okay? So it's, it's God's saving grace. It is by grace that you are saved. It is by grace that you are saved. You know, I've been spending a lot of time in, in court over the past few years. Uh, it's not because I'm in trouble or anything, but well, seven years ago I was spending a lot of time in court because I was in trouble. But it's for my work, and as I sit in court every week and I, and I observe what's going on, I can see that, you know, there is a there, there's a similarity between the procedures of a court of law and what we got to do one day. Because one day, you and I will all stand before the righteous judge, before Almighty God, before the most holy magistrate. And the books will be open, and every single thing that we've done here on earth, good or bad, will be revealed. You know? So, just picture this for a moment, okay? Picture this. You're up in heaven's, this is just you now. Picture this. You are up in heaven's courtroom, and up on the bench, you have almighty righteous God, the holy magistrate, the righteous judge, okay? On the ground and to the left here, you have the prosecuting attorney, okay? He's, he is the devil, or also known as the accuser of the brethren. Okay? On the right side, behind a desk, behind a table, stands you. And you stand alone. You're all alone. Okay? So the devil, he starts talking. And he starts presenting his arguments. And he says, you know, this, this guy, and I'll put my name, Jonathan, he has done this, 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 and this over the years, and he goes on for hours accusing me of every wrongful deed and sin that I've done, every act that of rebellion against God's will. He speaks every single one, stuff that I forgot about, stuff that I thought I only knew about. So he's accusing me, okay? So I stand over here, and I hear everything, but all of a sudden, a peace falls over me. A calm falls over me. Because I know that at one point, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, through the back courtroom door, swings open and walks in your defense attorney, your counselor. Your defense attorney, his name is Jesus. He is your counselor. He is your advocate in this last of your court hearings. And he stands there and he, he walks up and he, he goes up to the righteous judge and he says, good morning, dad. <laughs> good morning. And he goes back and he says, you know, he stands behind you, he stands next to you. Then the, then the devil says, okay, it's time for my closing arguments. Righteous judge, this man deserves death. According to Romans 6.23 
which you wrote, righteous judge, the wages of sin is death, and this man deserves death. Okay? Your defense attorney, Jesus Christ, stands up and says, yes, that is true. All of the accusations levied against my client are undisputed and true. But he received me as Lord and Savior. The wages of sin is death. But the second part of Romans 6.23 says, But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So even though he is guilty, I paid this debt that he could not pay. The righteous judge speaks for the first time and he says, Well, what proof is there that this man's debt has been paid in full? Your defense counselor approaches the bench. He rolls down his sleeves and he says, This, this is the proof of the grace that is greater than this man's sin. This is a story about a sad, broken soul, riddled with guilt and shame. He had no place to go. But by the grace of God one day, he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And that day forth, he has lived the blessed life. Joy, that is, in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So this morning, if you are struggling, you're a believer and struggling with, with that one thorn in your side that God has not removed, just be encouraged that his grace is sufficient in your weakness, that his grace is greater than your problem. And for those of us who have never received God's saving grace, I'm going to give everybody an opportunity to do so. So let's close our eyes and let's bow our heads, please. If anybody here has never received that amazing, incomprehensible, complete grace of God's gift of salvation. And if you want to receive that gift this morning, if you're online, if you're here, just repeat after me and you give it all your heart. Lord, I am a sinner. I have failed. I have rebelled against you. I humble myself before you now. And I ask you into my heart. I believe in you. I believe that you were born of the Virgin Mary. You lived a perfect life. I believe that you went to the cross and you endured my guilt and my shame. And your blood paid for my sin of which I could never earn, I don't deserve, and I could never pay back. So I received that gift of salvation and grace. And for those of us who are struggling with an area that we need God's grace, if you are weak and if you are scared and if you are just devoid of any strength, you are in a perfect place, God says, for me to demonstrate my power in your weakest hour. So with every, uh, all eyes closed, every head bowed, if, if it is you 
who decided to give your heart to the Lord this morning, if you would just raise your hand so I can, I can see you. And if you're online, behind the computer all by yourself, raise your hand high, okay? I see you, sister. God bless you. I see you, sisters. Okay? It is God's grace, the greatest gift. Father God, we just thank you for this morning. We pray, Lord God, that your grace would just carry us, Lord God, when we are weak. We pray, Lord God, that your, your power would be made perfect in the areas that we struggle in, that are your weakness, so that we can display to the world how good you are and how powerful you are. For you indeed are grace, our Lord. We thank you, we praise you, in the mighty, matchless, and the resurrected name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, thank you.